Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet. And today I have one of my very besties returning back to the show. I love him and I've missed him dearly, dearly, dearly. Welcome back, Mr. Colby. How are you? Doing wonderful in the year 2024, our Lord. <laughs> Sounds like a science fiction year. I can't get over how it's like 2024. I don't know. With all the aliens and the whole nine yards, right? Yeah, I suppose so. I haven't watched the news for a few months, but is that still going on? Uh, it's Wasn't just, there something in Florida that I missed? I keep hearing people talk about it. You know, there was at, at the mall and, of course, of all places, Miami. So Broward County. Oh, you know. and of all counties. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, not suspicious at all. But then I saw today there was another... Uh, some airport i think it was in berlin or something there was something there and i'm like oh for crying out loud that are we gonna have like an alien lockdown i'm curious yeah it makes me think of brandy every time i see it because i can just see her seeing these news stories and just shaking her head <laughs> somebody's manifesting aliens yeah. for their bingo card this year so I want to ask you, my dearest, um, you have a lovely new gift that you got at the end of last year, a wonderful new bouncy baby boy. So how are you with the fatherhood thing? Uh, at the moment, it's great. You know, it was, uh, you just kind of take it for granted that everything's going to go normal when, when you're having a kid. I That's mean, yeah. I, I wanted, I, <laughs> I want to talk to you about that and about what happened because you are one of two people that I am friends with that had issues, um, of, of various natures while, uh, you know, expecting anyways. So walk me through not only what was going on with, with him, but with mama. Okay. So pretty much, you know, and just, uh, I'll just touch on a brief backstory part of it. That's kind of key is that she and I actually broke up before we found out she was pregnant about a week before. And so it's somebody I have like a convoluted past with and we do <laughs> definitely have this soul connection and I didn't know it was going to lead to this, but it makes sense that that's what it was about because we're not compatible <laughs> at all. And she's uh, very flighty with me. And so it just kind of was a history of that. And then, then uh, there's this pregnancy and we kind of tried to work through that and work through our differences to no avail. And, she was having a rough pregnancy through pretty much since the beginning. She found out very early on, gained weight pretty fast, and then just had horrible nausea and uh, just stuff that you would expect early on just kept going on to the point where when she was 37 weeks pregnant, she had an issue. And luckily, I was over at her house when it happened. She ended up fainting in the middle of dinner. And I imagine this is the part you were alluding to in your question. So I ended up calling the paramedics that night and she goes in. They can't figure out why she's fainting, why she's light, uh, lightheaded, why her limbs are tingly. They, they rule out all of the major stuff. 
and it's nothing neurological. Her heart's good. And she's in there for a few days and some doctor, they're brainstorming. He comes up with the idea that it might just be GERD, which is, what is it? Gastroesophageal reflux disease. Mm -hmm. Yes. And Gastroesophageal really reflux. Yeah. Esophageal. Okay. I've been saying that wrong for like three months. <laughs> so, uh, Basically, from my understanding, there's inflammation where the esophagus and stomach come together. And when a person's not pregnant, it's got room to go down. She, her mm -hmm. womb's pushing into it, pushes into her vagus nerve, cuts off the oxygen. It's like an episode of House, the way this mm -hmm. guy figured that out. And it, right. I mean, Janet's like, does she have, like, have they checked for blood clots, diabetes? And yeah, I was because on the phone her, with you through her all of symptoms this. Are, were so, like, just all over the place. And that's what I told you when we we're going through like the checklist of things like, did they check this? Did they check that? Could it be this? Could it be that? And it never dawned on me that it was GERD because her symptoms were so like vast, but it mm -hmm. makes complete and total sense. Cause of course, when you are pregnant and you expand like that, everything is like smashed and crammed and, and whatever. But for for when you told me the diagnosis, I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, and that, you know, treating her for GERD like resolved all the crazy Yeah, symptoms. just a just a uh a Pepsid. And right. She like <laughs> it's funny too, because you're kind of mad about it when you're in her, her her position that man, if just somebody would have figured this out five months ago right I she would wouldn't be suffering that long yeah and it was a horrible pregnancy so for the last month of it was great and then uh from there i mean they release her we go we take her home my mom was down helping out and all that was going on which is awesome and she, we're thinking at the point where she's leaving the hospital that you know, a part I left out is when they're ruling everything out, they did an ultrasound, which we wouldn't have done. We did the 20 week. We did a whole complete home birth, by the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I want to talk to you about that, too. Yeah, uh, they just did want to make sure after everything she had gone through before they released her that the baby was fine. So this ultrasound revealed that uh, we didn't know at the time, but our son, it, he was breached and that was a big, like, now are we going to have to come in for a C-section? Cause that's what they were pushing for at the hospital. She technically mm -hmm. was never released from care of the midwife. And so this is the craziest part of the whole, uh, uh, mother of my child going to the hospital was, there's an old doctor in there, not the same guy that figured out the GERD, but another guy, he's like, probably been practicing medicine since the 70s and <laughs> for 400 says, years <laughs> this is something that i this is my favorite part of the story because it just doesn't seem likely that it would be this old guy that says you know i've seen this uh holistic thing where you you burn an herb you go to an acupuncturist and they give you this chinese herb and you burn it outside your pinky toe and I've, it's like 80 percent of the time it's effective it makes the baby flip around and so the midwife was like, what? When uh, Are you smoking dope? <laughs> well, when, she, when uh, my ex told her midwife about this, she's like, yeah, that's well known. I just can't believe he knows about it. And then take her to the acupuncturist. We do it for 40 minutes in the office. She said she can feel him moving immediately. Then after like 10 days, 
of her doing that twice a day for five minutes on each toe, like four times, basically. It's a, quite a process. And he was completely flipped around when they did the next him, uh, ultrasound. So now we're back on track. She's, she's, we're ready to do the home birth again and it's on. And then the, the due date comes and goes and you know, that happens. It's her second kid. And, uh, you know, after a week, we're like, okay. And then a week and a day, a week and two days, we're getting close to two weeks. I know. Um, I was bothering you. I'm like, did, does she have the baby? Yeah. Everybody was. <laughs> Yet? And everybody's no? going, what the hell? <laughs> and in Oregon, it's unique that the midwifery license covers up to 43 weeks. So she didn't even have to go in, but the hospitals definitely would have induced her immediately as, as she crosses 42. 100%. So she ends up doing, uh, what is it? It's an oil. I, it starts with a C. Is it castor oil? Mm-hmm. So the midwife says on her on the day before he was born, She's giving her the, uh, you know, look over and says, yeah, I'm, uh, you're dilated four centimeters. I can fill his head. Your body's ready to go into labor. We can make this happen. I mean, if you're not, if your body's not ready, it's not going to happen. But if your body's ready, I'm going to give you this little tincture. And uh, yeah, so went over there and picked it up, brought it to her house around 10 o'clock at night. And she drank it at about 11 and I went on the couch and uh, just laid there wide awake, going, oh, this is happening, probably. And I'd probably been asleep for about an hour, and she wakes up having a major contraction. And I help her into the bathroom, help her back to bed. She falls asleep, like clockwork an hour later, has another one. And I guess technically this is when they start counting mm -hmm. the time. So... She goes into the bathroom again, and I'm filling up this birthing pool or tub or whatever the fuck you call it, and <laughs> I'm just sitting here, not even awake, and she's screaming, and I feel that the water, the, the hot water already ran out, and it's like three inches deep. So I'm like, oh, shit. So I start boiling all these big old pots full of water, <laughs> and... She's yelling at me to come in there and said she just had uh, three contractions within about a five minute period. Uh oh. And I said, Oh, really? That wasn't You're just like, hurry one. Up. <laughs> I said, that wasn't just one. She said, No. And so I called the midwife, told her that. She says, Oh, I'm on my way. I get Ashley back to the bed. And I mean, this is graphic, but she didn't quite have projectile diarrhea like you would expect with the castor oil mm -hmm. she did relieve herself mm -hmm. and i'm sitting here still thinking this is the beginning of an hour-long process two hour long process three like i'm thinking this is going to go on into the day and she tells me it's coming right now so at that point i just ran over and unlocked the front door come back she's crowning and I said, okay, if this goes well, he's he's coming out right now. So he comes out again a little bit more, and I just see these folds and wrinkles. I don't know what I'm looking at. Then I notice there's a little nose in there. <laughs> and I said, oh, shit. <laughs> and then he goes back in one more little plunge, and then she says she's going to push, and he just slides right out into my arms. And 
her daughter had come out and saw the whole thing also. She she was woken up and she's six years old. So your your midwife wasn't there, right? She said she heard the screaming stop as she was unloading her car. <laughs> and so she walks in less no less than two minutes after, luckily, because I don't know what to look for. And it's like that moment's just interrupted because uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Aria, well... I don't know if you had it, but yeah, that's that's the daughter. She she sees the package before I do and says, it's a boy. And so I'm sitting here just like in shock. And midwife comes in and says, yeah, I figured I missed it. I said, oh, you barely did. And she comes over and she notices immediately that he's not breathing right. And so she wants to think he is because he's, he on the when he's crying the inhale was fine but he was really having a hard time exhaling he was mm -hmm. it was just a, a grunt really interrupting his cry and she took his oxygen with the little thing they wrap around your foot and she's saying oh i hope this is wrong i so then her assistant gets there tests it it's the same so within 10 minutes they call for a transfer to the hospital ambulance gets there it's like all over again like what happened with the mom a month mm -hmm. before and like uh they basically got him to the hospital within an hour of him being born had him hooked up to everything i mean he was intubated the midwives and the paramedics both assumed it was meconium aspiration so for those who don't know, he's you're taking practice breaths and where he was so late, like just on the cusp of two weeks, he took a shit before he got out. And that's like a really it's kind of like real tarry from what mm -hmm. I understand. And yeah, he inhaled a bunch of that. And she, her water must have broke on the toilet before I took her back to the bed the last time because we they wanted to know, you know, if you find that you can tell. But they did end up at the hospital confirming what that was and he was treated immediately was uh given morphine because he was freaking out when they tried to intubate him mm -hmm. and oh, sure yeah so they also said that was a good sign because they said a lot oftentimes there's not a lot of fight in them mm -hmm. and so yeah so within an hour and a half of him being transferred i get to see him and at that point he's just He's got everything hooked to him. And it's just like, wow. How did fast. that make you feel? Was that scary for you to see that? Well, it was, it kind of took a while to really sink in. Like, what's going on? Because first they're saying before they take him that like 95% of the time they see this, a CPAP will clear everything out and get the, kid breathing on its own and with him it just didn't and when they ended up i don't know if they give you an mri or an ultrasound but they said that yeah you could just tell it was coded and he ended up uh getting off of that fairly quick you know it sinks in within about a day like you go home without your baby from the hospital and it's mm -hmm. just like okay and you know not even wanting the hospital involved in the first place which, you know, I had to surrender to that twice, mm -hmm. once with the mom and then once with him. So it's right. just like, you know, it's great to have when you need it. That's for sure. And I've always known that, but I can definitely say 
without intervention, he'd likely not have survived. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, you just, you never know how these things are going to go. So yeah, it ended up being a 12 day ordeal. Lots of stuff in there. I'm sure that you want to talk about. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, and so after, you know, they're like the CPAP isn't working right, whatever. And then what comes next, what the doctors told you and what they did, I was absolutely astounded by. So I would like you to talk about <laughs> the medication they gave him, what they, what they were planning to do with it or what they, what they thought <clears throat> assumed, etc. Yeah. So he was born on a Friday and by Sunday, things are looking pretty good because they originally told us the ventilator he was on was the, the heavy duty one because it kind of helps just push all the shit out of his lungs. Right. But they said, you know, we'll just stair step him down. They ended up not having to go to the, the ventilator below that one like they originally planned. So they just completely took that off of him on Sunday. So just a little over 48 hours later. And we are in there right after they did that. And this doctor is somebody that I wasn't sure about from the beginning. <laughs> she was very mm. nice and very like the communication between she and my ex and she and the midwife was really good, mm -hmm. which you can't ask for anything other than that in the beginning. Right. But then she ends up, I mean, she's one of those, she actually was wearing a COVID mask when we got in. Mm -hmm. I ended up seeing her face a few days later, but I'm thinking, okay, she's the only one in the entire hospital that mm -hmm. I see in the mask. And I don't know if she's being courteous to a family or she, but it's funny because it's like the whole COVID thing coming back. She was very selective about when she would have it on. Right. She would take it off to talk to you. And I'm just like, okay. So I know that she's not all there. <laughs> <laughs> Rational a, thought is escaping she, her. She's she's a doctor, mind <laughs> you. She knows a lot more shit about medicine than mm. I do, but she has no common sense. And of course I try to ignore that because this, this, she's in care of, or she's yeah caring for my kid. And she also has a love everyone pin with the heart with the rainbow and it's just like okay so she's she's one of these bring your politics to work and right uh not that i want to live in a world where sexuality is politicized but that's the reality we live in and mm -hmm. i just was like okay i'm not gonna judge her she seems like she knows what she's talking about but she for some reason starts noticing a, a lower lip smack is what she called it a lip smack when it, he's just sucking his lower lip in and there she thinks that she sees a rhythm to it and this is no more than 20 minutes after we get like i, I get to see him after they take the take him off the ventilator so and just like getting used to that reality of him breathing on his own and she comes at us with, I think he might be having seizures and I'm going to hook him up to an EEG just to rule it out very nonchalantly. 
Mm-hmm. Like it was nothing. Then they come in. I'm in there for like the next few hours and it, I get to see them hook him up to this thing. And it's like eight prods they got to put on all over different spots of his head. And it might have been more than that, actually. But he he hated every second of it. And I mean, the shit stayed in his hair for like weeks after. Mm-hmm. But we're getting ready to leave that night and go home. And she stops us. I'm actually sitting in the hallway at this point. And she's, she comes out. This is the first time I see her without a mask, by the way. But I didn't even recognize her. And she says, hey, dad, we got to have a talk before you leave. Just real nonchalantly. Brings us in there and just goes through this whole spiel about how I'm very concerned with these readings I'm getting. It indicates high seizure risk, high seizure activity risk is what she said. And I want to see if there's a correlation between his lip smacking and these brain activity, this brain activity I'm seeing. And so she said she was going to correspond with somebody in Portland up at OHSU, which is a pretty decent hospital, I suppose. They've got a reputation, but... I'm also very skeptical of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've done some shit with uh, this whole get your kid's dick chopped off Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Right. They had the whole like tucking, tucking safely for kids Mm -hmm. little video. So they're talking to neurologists up there. One guy saying, yeah, that is weird. Maybe let's just be cautious and medicate him. In case he is having seizures. This is the conversation I'm hearing in my head in hindsight. I don't know exactly what was said. This is little bits and pieces come out as the story progresses. But she basically said she was going to uh, medicate him. Didn't they tell you that um, when they did the EEG that it, it was concerning, but it didn't meet the threshold? Guidelines for seizure diagnosis. Later on, they do say that. Mm -hmm. And this is after later in the night after I'd already talked to you and we called back. So the night goes, we leave the hospital. And my ex says, none of that made sense to me. And before we left, I actually said to her, to the doctor, uh, so is he having seizures or is he not? Because from the way you just worded it, it sounds like he's at high risk, but is he having a seizure? And she doesn't answer me. She says, oh, I could understand why you would think that because of the way I worded that. I should have said it differently. And then just moves right on to the next uh, point. And I said, but yeah, so is he having seizures or not? Well, that's what we're trying to find out. And I said, okay, so at that point, we're very confused. And I leave leave there and we get to her house and she breaks down. And my wheels are just turning. And I thought, I got to call Janet and say, and ask her what she thinks of this. And so your basic reaction was, what the fuck? Like I thought it might be. (laughs) Maybe a little. (laughs) (laughs) It's what I wanted to hear just to rule out me being paranoid, but it's also not what I wanted to hear because. Right. And you said, you know, basically in a nutshell, correct me. I was very sleep deprived at this point, but you were saying 
if they're not 100% sure he's having seizures, then why are they giving him uh, mm -hmm. epileptic medication? Right. And then you basically encouraged me to find out what they had given him and just find out everything that she kind of doesn't really. It's weird how doctors will just get you on a lower level immediately when they start talking to you. Mm -hmm. And I might be getting ahead of myself, but I walked out of this whole situation having like a new disdain for doctors and a new respect for nurses that mm -hmm. I knew was there, but I had never experienced like the, the how that world really is. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, I am riled up to the point where I do not want to make this phone call. So she does it and she's very good at being passive aggressive and placating. <laughs> and I catch her doing this when we used to be together and we would get in fights and I see her doing this. She's like setting up sand traps for these people as she's talking to them. And I'm just like, Oh, I don't even think she knows she's doing it. And I see this nurse, this on-call nurse is just like, sidestepping everything and then just freaking out at all these questions that half of them are what you wanted me to ask. Mm -hmm. And then we find out that it's Kepra that they had given him and that a very they, high dose. Yeah. They call it a loading dose. And whenever mm -hmm. she would say high dose, they would correct her and say, it's actually a loading dose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the one thing I think there was two phone calls made. So basically when I called you, she calls the nurse. We call back after you're like, well, first of all, Kepra isn't approved for anybody over or under a month old, mm -hmm. unless, you know, there's two of them. There's one that was 12 and over. And then they ended up doing another one, which was a good for a month and over. And so we call back and she says, I just would like to have a conversation with the doctor because they're giving him another dose in 12 hours. I want to be a part of this decision. And we don't think we're going to hear back, but 20 minutes later they had woke. They, I mean, they, they were kind of scared. They, they called back. The doctor got out of bed <laughs> and she was doing the same thing with the doctor that she did with the nurse. She even said things like, so it was your call when you saw these brain reading, these this brain activity readings that you're talking about, this was your call to medicate him and he's not having seizures. And she kept just, the doctor you could tell was scared, her voice is shaking. And at mm -hmm. one point she even said, I just want you to know, because I have run into parents that have accused me of this, but I do not get any kickbacks from the pharmaceutical company. And I was just like, oh fuck, she's scared. Nailed it. As soon as she said that, I was like, well, nobody in my head, I'm just over in the kitchen pacing. And she just did through this word salad at her and she convinced her that medicating preemptively was the thing to do. And so she and I get into a big fight that night. I haven't told you this part. No, I end up, she ends up screaming at me to get the fuck out of her house. And so at this point I go home and I spend a significant next chunk of the several hours later just looking shit up on the internet mm -hmm. i was already looking at various stuff and at the even the insert that kepra has and there's like mm -hmm. all sorts of kidney issues that oh, yeah. they've, they've had to acknowledge and at at one point the nurse the head nurse that was on the phone with her said uh you know 
all all we will see is a is a drastic amount of lethargy in the worst case scenario and actually you, by their own admission that's like one of the minimal side effects right exactly like i mean i'm glad that he's less than a week at old at this point because some of the side effects are like nothing seems real you're depressed you want to stick a vibrator up your ass and blow your brains out is basically right. what, like it's like it's weird got horrid shit. horrid side effects well you met jeremiah right in our last episode together mm -hmm. my co-host so i talked to him and he's like a photographic memory kind of guy mm -hmm. and i told him and i said kepper and he goes holy fuck i said what he goes the kepper crazies I said, mm -hmm. what? He goes, yeah, they call it the Kepra crazies. I said, what are you talking about? He's like, that's the side effects. I said, when did you look this up? He's like, oh, I don't know. I just saw it at some point. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, it is because, you know, if you think about what they're giving it for, what it does is actually work on the neurotransmitters in your brain to, you know, slow down or change the pattern about how they fire and whatnot to stop seizure activity. But it does make people batshit nuts along with uh, kidney failure, different organ failure. I mean, there's like tons and tons of side effects. And I'm like, whoa, wait, it's not like even approved for a baby at all. They, you want to know what she said to me about that? What's that? Well, she not to me. Once again, I'm not the one on the phone with her, but I kept writing stuff down and handing it to her to ask. And at mm -hmm. one point I like underlined it five times and like ask her about it not being approved for somebody as young as him. And when she finally did ask, she goes, oh, well, that's called off-label prescribing. And it's actually something we do all the time in the NICU. So you don't need to worry about that. And I'm like, oh, that's supposed to make me fucking feel better is you guys just do this all the time with right. stuff. So how many other patients have been affected by uh, a doctor willy-nilly prescribing a loading dose, which is not a normal dose? So like, you know, if you were going to give somebody 30 milligrams of something and, you know, a loading dose, which could be like 120 milligrams, it's, it's like really high compared to what a normal dosage would be. And you're giving it to kids that don't have, don't meet the threshold for seizure activity. Uh, of course, the baby is going to readjust its breathing after being taken off of a ventilator. So you may see lip movement, which is not uncommon. So you have doctors prescribing meds for something that they can't even actually definitively diagnose because it didn't meet the threshold of the testing. But we're going to go ahead and give a loading dose and then treat them again and then tell you that your kid's going to need lifelong seizure medicine. Well, she said a month minimum. Exactly. And, I, and what I, happens in a month? Right. So when you look at the side effects of something like this, and you're also told that the reason that you would medicate somebody for this, it could be worth the risk of these things. I'm not going to lie and say if my baby was sitting there convulsing and having seizures, that wouldn't just say whatever the fuck you want to do to try to save him. Right. And it, so at one point she, before I also left this part out before we left that night where she first told us about all this shit, she has us thinking 
if this doesn't get under control, he will have to be fl flown to Portland. And because of COVID, you, nobody will be able to go with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just, you told me that. And I was like, oh, I man, paraphrased no. that. But even even if it's in a helicopter, I was like, at this point, you know, even the, for a couple that's together, this would drive a wedge between you potentially. But given our history, you know, I can't believe we actually are talking at this point. Mm -hmm. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Everything's good, ladies and gentlemen, for now. <laughs> <laughs> Never can tell day by day kind of thing. But At anyway, the moment, it's calm. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I think we finally reached an understanding. But, you know, every time I say that, something happens. But anyway, right. uh, so I at this point in the story, it gets the, the, the news kind of turns good little by little. So it starts with, because of the phone calls, because of the phone call I had with you, because of the phone call she made to the nurse and the doctor, they freaked out and had a huge correspondence and decided, well, what we did was right, but there's no reason to keep him medicated. Mm -hmm. We have ruled out and they got a second opinion. Basically the second guy. Was, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And, they said uh, that you don't even need to monitor him. That's how like normal these brain readings were from the second guy that looked at it. He's like, take him off the EEG. Quit fucking giving him Keppra. Right. And because of a second opinion, which you kept stressing hard, they ended up doing it right away. Mm -hmm. Luckily, maybe that was protocol and they were going to anyway, but it was demanded. And uh, she... At this point, I don't want to see her. I don't want to be at the hospital when she's there. And I end up... Because I'm sure you're pissed. Well, I was pissed off that me having a negative reaction to what doctors were doing, she made it about her. And that was what the fight was about. Was I went into my mode where I just shut everything else off around me and I got online and I started researching the shit and I start looking at what I'm going to say to the doctors next time I'm talking to them. Mm -hmm. Most of what you had already prepared me for, mm -hmm. but sh it just led to us, you know, kind of stressing out. And when two people who aren't compatible stress out around each other, it's, <laughs> it, it can lead to explosions. Uh -huh. And I have, uh, you know, it, it happened again after he finally came home, but now we've just figured it out. Like I can't be over there all the time. And right. I see, I see him every day, but I can't stay there. I can't like three hours a day is great. And mm -hmm. I get at least that. So anyway, I mean, I'm jumping ahead, but so at this point, they're just like, yeah, he's fine. And they move him into this other part of the NICU for like one night. And then they're like, all right, tomorrow, if he has the ability to bottle feed, we're, if he proves he can, we're going to move him upstairs and you guys get your own room. But I camped out after this. I was just like, I'm not fucking leaving. Right. And I'm not going to, uh, like, be nice to these doctors because mm -hmm. that leads nowhere good. And, mm -hmm. but from then on out, when I saw that particular doctor, she was very nice. And I ended up, by the time this story's over, I ended up liking her more than the, the second doctor we got. As I was so glad when we got transferred to somebody else. But, she actually was so scared that she was just bending over backwards for us for the rest oh, of the yeah, time. We absolutely. Were in her so I wish she would have been our doctor throughout now, but mm -hmm. at the same time, she was 
just not willing to have a conversation around me where she wouldn't remind me that she did the right thing by medicating him. Well, we did the right thing by making her double by checkers. She would even say, you guys made me check myself. I, she said, I went home and I cried. Like, did I unnecessarily medicate a baby? But in my heart of hearts, I know that I made the right decision. But and she like, didn't. And that's the thing is they don't want you calling them out. They don't want you asking questions. They don't want you to be educated on um, anything, any procedure, any medication, whatever. They just don't want you to question anything that they say. And that is such a huge problem with the medical system, especially in a hospital, because they're wrong a lot, a lot. Yeah. And they and, run to a, a pill or a, a, mm -hmm. something intravenous they can give you. It's their first move. I knew that going into this, but when you just see it firsthand, how willy nilly it is. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they, unless you demand it, they will not let you be part of that decision. Mm -hmm. Once you demand it, then they kind of have to, from what right. I understand. And mm -hmm. But they sure as shit aren't going to volunteer that. No. And that's the thing is, um, and it's even like in the Bill of Rights, Patients' Bill of Rights, every time you are admitted into a, a facility for any reason, you know, even for an outpatient service or whatever, you are supposed to be informed of your patient Bill of Rights, which tells you that you are part of the, of your care or, you know, your children's care or whatever. You're part of the decision-making. Um, you have the right to ask questions. Like all of these things is in the patient bill of rights and, and it's mandated by law, but they get that they give those to you, but they hope that you take that and throw that in the trash and don't read it. And most people do. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Cause they're supposed to hand you a pamphlet. They don't go yeah. over it with you. They just want you to read it of your own volition. And, and then they really hope that you just drop it right in, you know, file 13 and, and don't ask anything, but you have to be your own advocate always. Cause yeah. they, they screwed that up so badly. And the reason why she kept saying, I know that we did what was right. I know that we did what was right. They were hoping and praying to God that they could talk you into not suing them. Right. And I did say to the ex early on after all this Kepra shit happened, if he has any kind of issue later on in life, and I am not like this, but I was like, we should just sue the fuck out of him. Mm -hmm. And at this point, you know, I'm just happy as hell that they did feel the pressure and mm -hmm. reverse their decision. And, you know, you just never know because the doctor's call, it just, that's a fork in the road right there. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I don't know why. The the midwife seems to think she was compensating for something she didn't do right when he got there. And I don't even remember. It was something minimal. But it's her theory. And mm -hmm. I kind of see that the way she was acting, she was overreacting mm -hmm. to something small because she was 
in that, like you said, CYA mode already. Mm -hmm. Yep. And yeah, it's just like they back themselves into this corner. Yeah, because, it, you know, and the think of how many children that has happened to. And, and literally all it was was the bottom lip. And he still does it. Yeah. And I know he's not having seizures. Right. And and there was, you know, no, it didn't meet the threshold of seizure activity, but we gave him a loaded dose and we were going to give him more. So imagine how many children that has happened to that are now lifelong seizure medication patients. Well, honestly, when it's not necessary, there's one couple that had a kid in there before us, a day before us, same story. Mm hmm. They also went through this, but I think that kid might still be medicated. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he almost died. He flatlined. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing when you're in the NICU, it's just, it can be pretty bleak, but we're, we're like the, the fucking stud muffins in there that everybody's like, God, I wish that was our baby. <laughs> Other than this doctor head fucking us on that first, uh, third day that we were in there, it was just, mm -hmm. it was like looking around. I'm just like, yeah, we're going to get out of here first. We did. But yeah, I mean, we move upstairs, a whole other thing starts and he's not gaining weight fast enough for them. And we find out he's tongue tied. Did I tell you that? No. So yeah, when we were up there, so I was able to feed him from a bottle the Wednesday following that Sunday that they fucked up with the seizure thing. And that was like, all right, if he's gained weight and he can get out of a bottle take take it out of a bottle we'll move upstairs which we did but then he's just really working for it and his latch is good but they're like why is he not able to and i remember like looking when his when he was crying one time his tongue would do this weird like m shape and he had a tongue tie that went all that pen is it frenulum mm -hmm. is that what it is and went all the way to the tip of his tongue it was pretty bad and they ended up like saying well we could laser it and it's like, they don't do that here or we could clip it, but I don't think they do that anymore. And then the one thing this doc, second doctor did, I like, she walked in and she's like, no, we're clipping it. Mm -hmm. And Ashley was like, oh, okay. And then they did. And he latched immediately. They, mm -hmm. I guess they gave him a little sugar. They didn't even numb him, gave right. him a little sugar, held his head. And he was pissed about that. They clipped it as soon as it's like less than a minute process as soon as they let him go mm -hmm. he stopped crying and latched and then he starts gaining weight but it became this weird game of if he gains weight we'll let you guys out tomorrow mm -hmm. oh it wasn't enough mm -hmm. and then he gains weight oh we would like to see more than this and then he goes backwards one day and this was day 11 i threw my hands in the air and i at that point i lost hope I was just like, they're fucking going to keep us in there as long as they can. Mm -hmm. Like, there's all these boxes we got to check to get the fuck out of there. He needs to go home. Right. Be with us and breastfeed and have everybody stop prodding his ass. Mm -hmm. Because why the fuck would he be like gaining weight like a normal baby at this point? Let us go. Other than like him, he's not on his feeding tube anymore. It's just like. This is just a little carrot they're dangling. And then so day 12, after I had lost hope, they let us out. And mm. that was awesome. And then shit hit the fan between the mom and I pretty, pretty hardcore right out the gate. And we're both sleep deprived. She's got the postpartum 
hormones mm-hmm. going. And I mean, I'm willing to give leeway because of that. But yeah, we had our biggest knockdown drag out. And then I didn't know like when I was going to see him again, I had to pull some pretty harsh shit. And mm-hmm. I am the financial support. I'm also willing to take her ass to court if she doesn't let me see him. And mm-hmm. She was just kind of like needing to calm the fuck down and have me out of her space for a while. But at the same time, I'm like, well, that's fine. But I do need to see him. Mm -hmm. He's been in the hospital for the first 12 days of his life. And now I can't see him. And uh, she eventually just needed me to help out so bad that I slithered my way back in. And I've been seeing him every day. Everything's good between us now. He's gaining weight slowly. Like he's still under 10 pounds, which he should be well over that by now. He's been through a lot of trauma though. And she was going through trauma while she was still pregnant, you know, and, and they're normal um, growth charts per se. You know, they have, they have a graph and by this time you should be in, in this rainbow section of the but graph. But they're not talking and, about NICU babies. And right. Like you know, and, and that's that. the thing is that was made for a specific population, but they use it as a, as a tool for every single child. And then they're like, well what are you doing wrong as a parent? Because your child isn't in the special portion of the graph. So they're under or they're too high. So are you underfeeding them? Are you neglecting your child or are you overfeeding him? Are you neglecting your child because they're eating too much? Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing that left a sour taste in my mouth because everybody who's heard me on your podcast before or knows me from my own, I am not a government guy. Yeah. No. And the first thing they do when they let us out is they're like, well, you qualify for a state funded mm-hmm. occupational therapist to come into your own home. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to go anywhere. They're trying to make it sound like it's so good. And I, I told her, I was like, well, I don't mind a home visit when we go home, but if they're going to like send someone to your house every few months and he doesn't need therapy, then yeah, this is weird. And but, what, what was, what was the point behind the occupational therapy? Well, so he falls into the category where we qualify for it because of the condition he was born with and having to be transferred to the NICU because of oxygen deprivation. So when they did give us the MRI to let us move upstairs, that's another thing, the little hoop we had to jump through. I probably left a lot out, but that was one that was like, okay, now we find out if he's like going to be retarded basically. Cause mm-hmm. you don't know, you know, the brain's a weird thing. Right. And at this age, an hour of being deprived oxygen. And I mean, not completely He had, He definitely was getting some, but it's just, it's kind of a crapshoot. And they said they saw minimal effects, which is what they wanted to see. They're like, yeah, you're going to see something. And this is the amount that we're seeing is a, a baby's brain bounce back in like 24 hours, basically. Mm-hmm. So they said, you don't need to worry about that. But you still qualify for, you know, having a doctor, a state-funded doctor come into your home. And then they, I don't know what they would do, test reflexes, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. they have this whole thing. And I want to get your opinion about this, Janet. 
I am not a fan of chiropractors. I don't know how you feel about it. Um, I actually think it's very beneficial. If what do you, you, what do you think? If for an you infant? that can be helpful, like an adjustment that can be helpful because they're like animals need them as well, right? You know, um, but you have to have the right person. See, chiropractors are like doctors, right? And I mean, they are a type of doctors, but have I been to some quacks before? Yes. But if you find a really good one, it's actually beneficial. But, you know, and the, the occupational therapist, physical therapist, whatever they want to do, you guys can do the exact same thing. You can, you know, test the reflexes on the bottom of the feet or, yeah. you know, whatever, work the legs and, and all kinds of stuff. You can do things on your own as parents that is exactly what they would do coming to your house. Right. Now, are they trained to look a little deeper during a thing? Possibly. But do you see anything right now that concerns you? Well, personally, I saw something early on where he would put his hands T-Rex position and not. So he's like me. Well, <laughs> it's funny, too, because his older sister does it. She walks around like this, mm -hmm. like a kangaroo. But mm -hmm. it was like, I almost think it was a defense mechanism thing. But mm -hmm. about five, six days into it, into his life. I was noticing his body was less stiff and he's kind of relaxing more. He would definitely tense up when he cried, which was good. But mm -hmm. uh, I got to tell people too, like it's been over six weeks. He turned six weeks old Friday. And I still, every time I hear him cry, I'm just like, it's a good sound. Cause when he wasn't mm -hmm. able to, it's just like, fuck. Like, oh yeah. It's scary. You get tossed into this world and Oh shit. You know, I, and I told my mom this too, the episode that you and Jeremiah and I recorded, mm -hmm. I said something at the end of that. I said, I hope the world kicks his ass or you know, I didn't know if it was a he at that point, but like, I, I don't want my kid to have it easy. I would like mm -hmm. want like the world to kick its ass. And at that point I was just like, well, I got what I wanted right out the fucking <laughs> gate. He got his ass kicked by the world. And yeah, can, I did. You can thank me for that. Mm -hmm. so, but anyway, uh, yeah, he, to me seems at this point, and I've, I think it's only been the last three or four days that I can say this confidently. Like, I don't think there's a thing wrong with him. Mm -hmm. He's very like some of the shit that he's doing already. When he was nine days old, I picked him up like this and he lifted his head up mm -hmm. and like held it for like 15 seconds. And I was like, should you be able to do that already? Yeah, no. He's smiling and laughing already. Okay. I mean, I've heard him laugh like three times, but the smiles, like every time I pick him up, if, uh, if I, cause he likes lights and shiny shit, like all babies. But if I like can get his attention, he locks in, he smiles, he tries talking with me. There goes my camera. So yeah, I, thanks for, for the great shot. <laughs> well, luckily I'm wearing pants this time. I only go, I only go pantless when Davy Wavy's around. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy yeah i just so how did you guys like 
decide on the birthing plan and what you guys were going to do? Well, basically, I hate Western medicine and I never would want to procreate with somebody. Now, while this pregnancy wasn't exactly intentional, we were also not trying to not have a kid. So right. uh, I personally, and this is just my, you know, armchair expert explanation, but I, the way I look at it is that uh childbirth is treated like a pathology when like maybe 95% of the time it's not right and it's and interventions not necessary mm -hmm. so i have always had a thing since i was old enough to conceptualize such things that the western medicine was more about dollar signs and numbers but mm -hmm. <laughs> the events of the last you know half decade i just I've never been more in the boat than I would not want to go into a hospital unless my arm got chopped off or something. Yeah, that's me a hundred percent. And, and I worked work in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah no. Uh, and so, I don't trust them. Uh, and I, you know, she had a kid naturally the first time and everything was great. And she even used the same midwife both times. Mm -hmm. And I am, a, you know, I'm a holistic guy. I think there's a lot of woo-woo, you know, psycho babble witch bullshit that a lot of people in this, like, Southern Oregon community attach to it. And that's fine. I'll, I'll take that over fucking, you know, long white coats and bureaucracy mm -hmm. of the hospital. Right. But I just, I don't trust the place. Mm-hmm. When it comes down to it. So that was me. And she's always been that way. That's so right. it was a very easy decision to make. I will say this because I know she's not going to listen to it. But at one point I said, so would you want to use the same midwife? And she said, I don't know. I said, well, what's the deal? I thought you guys were close. She said, well, in order to keep her license, she had to get the job. And I was like, well, it's not like she's going to do it to him. Like, what, what's your point? She just, I don't. Shedding. I don't, she was worried about shedding. She may have been. And I said, well, you just got to ask yourself, like, why did she do it? Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, she did it because she didn't want to stop doing the job she was doing. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people faced with the same decision. I would have loved to have had to quit my job over not getting vaccinated, but they mm -hmm. didn't make me choose damn it right I'm looking for a reason to quit that place but <laughs> anyway they uh i don't know what the law is in oregon but i guess they can take your license away from practice midwifery if you didn't get vaccinated so you know the one thing we ended up doing and i asked you about it was the vitamin k because of the fact that he had inhaled his own shit mm -hmm. and you know it's not like and I still need to go get his records, by the way, because mm -hmm. I do want to find out if they snuck it like a hep B or anything mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Because I'm almost ninety-nine percent of the time they don't they don't tell the parents I that know. that's happened. They just do it and don't right. say anything. It's standard probably in some places. Mm -hmm. But I every time I like catch him staring at the lights for too long, I'm like, oh shit. Look at me. You know, because like <laughs> I'm so fucking paranoid about like what did they give him in there? And mm -hmm. if you like stop smiling for a day or so, I'm gonna freak out and go in there. But I just need to go. You just like re request a release form, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Yep. And I, and you know, I talked about on this show before, like how important it is to get your records. Anytime you go to the doctor, have tests done, lab work, x-rays, you know, whatever it is, always get your records so you can keep a copy at home. Cause one, if they do a cyber attack, right. And everything's electronic, they can't access anything you've ever had done and say you have some kind of surgery you have to have or something. At least you have a paper copy of what your history was. But two, you can see everything that was done. Every item that was ordered, always get a detailed bill as well. It's important because no. you, you never know. And even patients have found out test results where the doctor will say, all of your stuff was fine. Everything was negative. We didn't find anything. And then when you read the actual report, there's something on it that they didn't tell you. Happens all the time. Yeah. They just assume you already know. So. I got a quick story for you. Okay. About reading results wrong. Um, there's this girl I know. She's like pretty much in my area. She's a. Uh, She's a weird mix. She's like a conservative, but she's also like into doing the psychedelic psychotherapy. That's what she's going to do for a job. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm, I told her like, you're, you're someone I want doing that job, but they're going to do it. Mm -hmm. But anyway, she was telling me over the holidays, her dad had a brain aneurysm when he was younger and it's a genetic thing. Mm -hmm. And so they said to get tested when you're 30 or whatever. Right. To his kids. So she goes in, gets the test Right after Christmas, they call her and say, uh, there's something wrong, but we're not, we can't tell you until later, basically. I know you have to come in. So she finds out a few days later after sitting with, there's something wrong with your brain. They said, yeah, you have one and it's 1.3 centimeters and it's, it could be lethal. And we'll talk, they wanted to reconvene with her after New Year's. So like through the 27th through whatever. She gets like, to sit and stew about like it. She's dying. She like wrote out a will and shit. She's barely 30. Mm -hmm. And they call her back and she had to drive to a different city to have a consultation. They're like, okay, we don't know who read these results, but it's millimeters. And if this does be, turn into an aneurysm, it's probably good. It'll just be like a little bit of water. Like it won't be a brain bleed. <laughs> You're good. You're fine. In fact, you look great. And so she like thought she was going to die for a while. And that, that kind of shit happens literally all the time. I mean, and luckily somebody noticed in this case, <laughs> I had, to, I had a, a time where I had a breast tumor and they're like, Pretty sure it's ductal carcinoma. You you do have cancer. We're gonna have to prepare you, but um, you're you're we're gonna schedule you for biopsy. Blah blah blah. They had me like freaking out. I go to see the surgeon for a consultation. He reads the report and he's like, "It's a fibroadenoma. That's not cancer. It's just like." fibrous tough tissue and he's like there's no need to even remove that and i'm like 
Okay, well, I just like shit my pants. So Thank how you. often do you was... think people get treated with cancer medication that don't need it when there's not somebody catching that kind of mistake? All the time. Fuck mm -hmm. me. That's like the worst thing, case scenario right there with Western medicine. And think about that in terms of like all of the like headline news that's coming out lately. Uh, cancer in young people is exploding and, you know, whatever. Um, yes, there has been like verbal cancers and, you know, like people are automatically stage four after jibber jabbers and, and stuff, but is also some of that where they're covering their ass because they're, they have things that they're seeing on scans and stuff that they're misinterpreting as cancer that is not, is that possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if they like print the things that print the pictures out ever just like the ink smudges or something and they, they think it's like a tumor. Well, now 99% of the time, all of that is electronic because that's oh, another thing that's they made. They made when they told everybody they had to do electronic medical records, radiology, and a lot of places had to go electronic as well. So the images are are readily available on the computer. As soon as they do the scan, they pop up and you can see them. So they don't even print shit out anymore, pretty much. Not unless you have to have to take it to uh, like another office that doesn't have the capability to read a CD. Then they'll actually print a film copy. You know, I did notice that, and I didn't put it together, but mm. when we did get that one ultrasound early on, Mm -hmm. You know, I pictured like having it folded up in my pocket and showing people, but now they just like give you an internet link. Mm -hmm. you look at the pictures here. Yeah. And they have to make sure to like move the ones because we didn't want to know the gender, even mm -hmm. though we live in Oregon. So we still don't know the gender. I'm waiting, <laughs> thinking maybe in about 12 years I'll find out. <laughs> we'll let, we'll let uh, your lovely uh, governor up there decide the gender. Well, I sure hope. He that he is a boy because his wiener is already bigger than mine and <laughs> that'll be a rough life well you are <laughs> irish that's right just saying yeah. <laughs> so how did you guys decide on the name wyatt was somebody was that something special well it is on both of our ends for me I just went through a shitload of names because I started having a really strong feeling that it was a boy about the last month and a half. Mm -hmm. So I was really looking because, and also we already knew what we were going to name the baby if it ended up being a girl. So with that, I just like went through lists of names and I would just like pay attention at the store or if wherever I am hearing names and, the name Wyatt kept coming up. And for me, I always liked uh, the the tombstone mm -hmm. legend. And I was going to ask you that. <laughs> well, that's, you know, initially, but this is the same inspiration. So the movie Easy Rider with Dennis mm -hmm. Hopper and Peter Fonda. Mm -hmm. So they're Billy and Wyatt and Peter Fonda is Wyatt. And it's allegedly Billy the Kid and Wyatt the Earp. Or Billy the Kid and Wyatt Earp. So mm -hmm. that was one of my favorite characters in a movie growing up. Well, growing up in my late teens, early twenties, when I thought like it was a good movie and now I know <laughs> the CIA made it in Laurel Canyon. Right. Fuck us all up. I still love the movie. 
<laughs> and so for me, that it just stuck. And I said it to her, and she goes, "You know, my brother's name's Ryan, and he couldn't say his R's when he was little, and so he would always say Wyan." And he had a fascination with the name Wyatt. And uh, if he had a kid, he was going to use the name, but we ended up doing it. So he's like, all right, well, you just have to tell the kid that he's named after his uncle Ryan then. So So you guys agreed pretty easily on the name then. Well, I had two names because my middle name's Blake. And I really liked Blake Lee. Lee is a family name on both our ends and Blake Lee and also one of my best friends who's basically this kid's uncle already. He's held him more than anybody else outside the family. His middle name's Lee. Mm -hmm. So it'd be like Blake, him and I's middle names. But then I said Wyatt Blake one day and she was just like, whoa, that's it. I like that though. That's so pretty. And it's nice that you guys agree. Well, you know, we agree on some things, and it just happened to be that was one of them. <laughs> everything else, shit. Nothing else, but the name's okay. <laughs> the name, home birth, everything else out the window. But, yeah, I, you know, I never, you know, I never wanted to be a parent until I was about 32, 33. I really started feeling it, but, mm-hmm. yeah, so, you know, you know, a lot of I think it's more of a girl thing than a boy thing, but when, like some girls pick out their kids' names before they even know what sex is. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, this has just been something I've been thinking about just recently. Like the name, like it should come to you probably by the time the kid's born. I don't know. She always said it, it doesn't know. for some people yeah. though, and they don't they don't like agree at all on what to name the baby. Right. Yeah, and luckily he's got my last name as well. So she was cool with that. Like I, you know, I didn't want to be one of those weird San Francisco, San Franciscans that name their like hyphenated. Right. 12 surnames. Mm -hmm. So So how is it for you now being a dad? You know, it's funny because my brother, my mom and my brother ended up coming on Christmas and staying for about two weeks. And, one night we were up drinking and he said, do you feel any different? And I said, no, I don't. I don't feel different at all, except that I'm always thinking about him. Mm-hmm. Like he's in every single part of my day. Like he's in my dreams. But I, as far as like the things I'm doing with my life, I just feel like more compelled to just keep going in the direction I'm going in. Mm-hmm. And I already knew as soon as I found out that I was going to have a kid that like, okay, this is, this is my life now. Like mm-hmm. there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean, I do not want to pop myself on the back here, but sh- I have had every fucking reason to not be a part of this, but mm-hmm. there's no way in hell that's a possibility for yeah, me. Yeah, no. And so. you're such a, you're such a beautiful soul anyway. And when you first told me, I thought it was a joke because- right. I didn't know you were like doing the hookup with her because I was like, well, was pretty you're fresh, not even really. dating anyone. I'm like, well, it wasn't even stop. like official, really. It was just like, <laughs> oh, a familiar friend that I used to have sex with. Why not? <laughs> right. I was like, what? So I thought it was a joke because you told me that on a show, and I'm like, oh, you're you're bullshitting me. I'm like, that's not even true. But it is the most beautiful thing in the world because you're such a fantastic 
human being. And I was like, who better to be a dad than you? Because you're just a beautiful person. Well, thank you. And, uh, you know, I don't know if the answer to that, who, who better to be a dad, because I, I keep having people tell me like, uh, they're surprised that like I stuck with it. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the option to just not be a part of my kid's yes. life because Some the mom people, and I don't yeah. get along. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, if that's really the standards that have been set by society, then I'll, I'll, I'll nail it just by showing up. But shit, if I do a good job, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't want it to be like that because I think that, <laughs> that I, a lot of people are going to disagree with what I'm about to say, but I think sometimes two people are destined to procreate, but mm-hmm. they're not destined to be together. Right. And man, did we try. Like mm-hmm. we had every reason. To oh, make you guys work. definitely did. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we moved in together even during this pregnancy and that lasted all of a week. Mm-hmm. And at, for that, that was the line in the sand for me. It was like, if you're going to move out without having to talk about like how we can make this work between us and you're, move number one is to just run Mm -hmm. then if you're going to do that when you're six months pregnant when are you not going to do that Mm -hmm. so and you know there we went to therapy we did all sorts of shit that you know i never saw myself doing Mm -hmm. like i think therapy is great for people that need it and well that's why i said like you have been so over and beyond like what is expected because you don't live together, but you're literally always over there helping. You were literally all the time during her pregnancy, you know, oh, over at her house. Or... Where I basically lived there yeah. near the end. And mm-hmm. fuck, it was rough because we really can't stand each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, But you were, you were her caretaker. Yeah, and, you, she and you did were need so that. good with her. Yeah. Well, until I wasn't, you know, it just takes one. I have a breaking part where I'll just say something stupid. And she is so fucking sensitive that it's a recipe for disaster. And yeah, that that point, that boiling point got reached about five, six times throughout the last year where it was just like, are we ever going to talk again? Mm-hmm. And throw her being pregnant into it. I was just like, God, all the, the longest... extra hormones on top of the <laughs> normal behavior. Yeah, you know, and hey, I get it as much as a guy can. I'm not, yeah. I'm willing to give a lot of leeway for that because shit, I can't imagine it. I mean, I and literally you, can't imagine it. And you are, you are really, like I said, above and beyond what's expected because not only do you take care of your, baby and you take care of her but you also take care of her other child and you're you're like so involved even though you don't live together you're so involved and i think it's wonderful well that last part is something that i would like to change with the with her other kid because i'm either going to be like her stepdad or not and she does have a dad that's like half-ass involved Mm -hmm. when it's convenient for him and He's a child himself. I mean, he's mm-hmm. in his 30s, but he just doesn't have it in him. And it's just like, I can't just like selectively be there for her and not be there for her. And mm-hmm. it's a really uh, unconventional setup where she and I dated 
all said and done in the last two and a half years for about four weeks. Mm -hmm. And two times we made it abundantly clear that it just wasn't going to work. But that second time that it already happened. And But look at, I mean, such a short dating period of time. But look at how much that you have put forth and put into that to make things work. And you're fathering, uh, you know, you're being a father to a child that's not yours. Yeah. And she makes it easy. The kid herself. Right. And she chose me, you know, mm -hmm. like her mom wasn't somebody who was out dating a bunch of guys. Mm -hmm. I was like the first guy that ever was in her kid's life aside from her father. Mm -hmm. And she gravitated toward me fast mm -hmm. and it was just kind of like well we're also having this other kid so naturally i'm the stepdad mm -hmm. and for her that doesn't change just because her mom and i don't work out right and my mom had the same dilemma because my mom and her fell in love too like mm -hmm. she calls her grandma and right. like the, sh the drama that was going on between uh my ex and i during the holidays before my mom got here it was like we didn't know what it was going to look like when mm -hmm. my mom and my brother were here. And luckily it got leveled out. Everything was good again by the time. And we just was like, it was wonderful. And I mean, we all hung out for hours at a mm -hmm. time when she was here. So that's good though. But that, I mean, it really speaks to your character of, like I said before, of what a beautiful person that you are, because you just immediately assume that role and, and you're like caretaker, provider, you know, whatever. And I just, I think that's very commendable as well, most you. people would not stand by that. Well, in my defense, if I didn't like the kid, I wouldn't have a part. To, I wouldn't fucking care, but she's very likable. Like mm -hmm. she's, uh, oh God, they're going to, her mom and her are going to have issues as she gets mm -hmm. older. It's already starting <laughs> now. And it's mm -hmm. just like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be there when this knockdown drag out that's inevitable. Girls are happen. a wee tad more difficult well, to raise and, as well. Um, um, and you know this as well as anyone, a mother daughter relationship from the outside is the most strange thing. Cause mm -hmm. it's like, it's a love hate, but heavy mm -hmm. on the love. Yeah. Very heavy on the love. Usually. Mm -hmm. until there's a falling out which sometimes happens unfortunately which you right. also know about but yep. i personally am glad that i'm a guy and that i have a son because mm -hmm. yeah. it seems like a more boys, straightforward boys are so much easier <laughs> yeah and, and i always thought i was going to have a girl just because it's like the last thing i ever wanted to do was be a daughter's father in this fucking world i would never sleep again and that's the it was such a huge difference between our kids because like oh yeah because he has a boy yep he yeah. has a boy and you know it's like, like a miniature brady bunch situation the hormones when the hormones hit between the two is so completely different because i kept warning my husband i'm like i'm like when he hits puberty i'm like you do not even know like so how your, the kid, your kid is changes. older than his kid yes okay by five years okay and i was like so yeah i was trying to warn him i'm like when the puberty hits and the hormones come i'm like watch out because the behavior is going to be awful and you're going to get like you're not going to like him very much or whatever 
he was literally the easiest kid. And so, of course, Greg's like, well, you're insane because he, you know, we're not experiencing anything like what you went through with your daughter. But he does bring him his 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 toothbrush when he's watching yes, YouTube. Yes, he did. <laughs> he did for a while. And that was that was so like blending a family together is very, very difficult because he was married before I was married before. And so bringing together communication styles and parenting styles and meshing that together into what works. It took a while to figure out and it took a lot of discussions and a lot of patience, you know, and there's a lot of people don't think about that. And so for, for you and her daughter to have such a special close bond is important because when she does hit those hormonal periods or whatever, you're going to be the leveling voice because she won't want to talk to her mom. Well, I would like to think that her dad would be there for her, but I had an absentee ex-husband. So I mean, it's not, it's, and then, you know, I, I went through a phase where I just didn't like the guy having never met him, but then I'm also like, shit, I know what he went through with her. And right. he's also kind of just struggles up here. Right. And he's definitely got great intentions, but he doesn't have him in it himself to be a good father when like it matters. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I'll tell you a story. I, uh, one in the morning, two days ago, got a call. Uh, Ari has got a 105 degree fever. And mm-hmm. I was like, 105? What the fuck? Like, take her in. She said, well, I'm calling. And long story short, they can't give you any info over the phone. You got to come in or not. And she's like, well, is it bad? I mean, uh, apparently 105 is normal this year. That's what they told her eventually. But I had to go over there. And I always say, like, I got, I got to go over there. Cause it's like, Oh shit. I get to hang out with my son. And mm-hmm. we had a little like midnight rendezvous. It was like the first time since we got home from the hospital where I was like, got to stay up with him and feed him and mm-hmm. experience the sleep deprivation. And it was awesome. But <laughs> uh, she, I was going to ask you if he, if he sleeps through the night or if he's one of those on night and this is an off night. Yeah. It, it's varies. Cause a, a four hour chunk isn't abnormal, but that's as good as it is ever going to get right now is four mm-hmm. hours at a time. It's typically one and a half to two hours. He's waking her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wanted to be there through all this and it just wasn't in the cards for me. I lucked out like during the hospital stay, I let her sleep and would bottle feed him and it was loving every minute of it. But I don't have to do it now. And I, I I'm not going to lie. I'm digging it. But it's just a reminder the other night. But anyway, her her dad, where's he at in this all of this? Like she, he's not answering his phone. Mm-hmm. He's not like that concerned. If my fucking kid had a hundred and five degree temperature, uh, I'd be he there. He would care, yeah. And anyway, it was just like a, an eye opener through all the stuff at the hospital. It's just like, well. As long as this is like the dynamic we have, I am going to be the one who's there when nobody else is for that mm-hmm. kid. And, yep, you know, I don't want to like make him the bad guy because he's really cool and they love each other. She loves her dad, but mm-hmm. 
she'll get it eventually and it's going to suck for him when she does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they, they can, they get to that conclusion all on their own, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like when they start like not attending things that they do at school or, you know, activities, sports, music, things, whatever, when they start like not showing up, the kids start to like take mental notes of that stuff and it comes about on its own. Unfortunately, you don't even have to say anything and, and it's a sad thing, but some people are just so self-absorbed that they don't like, they don't think about parenting or how necessary it is to actually be there and show up. Yeah, and it is unfortunate that most of the times it is the dad, but you do see it both ways. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of moms that are there the exact same way. So, anyways, my dear, I love you so, so, so much. And I'm so glad that we got the opportunity to catch up because I know things have been hectic for you and I've been missing you. So, you know. Thank you for spending time with me and telling your story and what had happened. So where can people find you, my dear? Well, the conspiracyplaytime.com website, which you have had posted here on my little window for people watching on Rumble. That website is finally up to date. Uh, I took a break and I'm going to come back strong with both shows, Conspiracy Playtime and Disinfobation, which we've recorded one episode already. And <laughs> we're going to get back. I mean, Dusty and I have actually been talking to people and this show could go places. And if it does, I'd like it to stay the way it is. We're going to find out. But yeah, we've been talking to people about making stuff happen with this show. And it's 2024. It's an election year. Season two of Disinfobation is right around the corner. So that show is basically not on anywhere easy because it's not on uh, Apple and it's not on YouTube, but Spotify's <laughs> got it. So check that out. Conspiracy Playtime's everywhere. So um, make sure you go like, subscribe, comment, share, download their shows, and watch on Rumble if you want to or wherever you do your, your listening. And for me, um, I just started a Rumble channel, so you can go over there and you can follow that so you can watch video uh, this year. So it's new this year, so you can find uh, Deplorable Nation podcast on there. So I urge you to do that if you like video. So for me and for Colby, thanks for tuning in to another episode, and we shall see you next time. Have a good one. Bye.